Hello, and welcome to the Dexcom third quarter 2022 earnings release conference call. My name is Michelle, and I will be your operator for today's conference. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Later, we will conduct a question and answer session. And during the question and answer session, if you have a question, please press zero one on your touchtone phone. As a reminder, today's conference is being recorded. I will now turn the call over to Mr. Sean Christensen. Sir, you may begin. Thank you, Operator, and welcome to Dexcom's third quarter 2022 earnings call. Our agenda begins with Kevin Sayer, Dexcom's Chairman, President, and CEO, who will summarize our recent highlights and ongoing strategic initiatives, followed by a financial review and outlook from Jeremy Sylvain, our Chief Financial Officer. Following our prepared remarks, we will open the call up for your questions. At that time, we ask analysts to limit themselves to one question so we can provide an opportunity for everyone participating today. Please note that there are also slides available related to our third quarter performance on the Dexcom Investor Relations website on the events and presentations page. With that, let's review our safe harbor statements. Some of the statements we will make in today's call may constitute forward-looking statements. These statements reflect management's intentions, beliefs, and expectations about future events, strategies, competition, products, operating plans, and performance. All forward-looking statements included in this presentation are made as of the date hereof, based on information currently available to Dexcom, and are subject to various risks and uncertainties, and actual results could differ materially from those anticipated in the forward-looking statements. The factors that could cause actual results to differ materially from those expressed or implied by any of these forward-looking statements are detailed in Dexcom's annual report on Form 10-K, most recent quarterly report on Form 10-Q, and other filings with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Except as required by law, we assume no obligation to update any such forward-looking statements after the date of this presentation or to conform these forward-looking statements to actual results. Additionally, during the call, we will discuss certain financial measures that have not been prepared in accordance with GAAP with respect to our non-GAAP and cash-based results. Unless otherwise noted, all references to financial metrics are presented on a non-GAAP basis. The presentation of this additional information should not be considered in isolation or as a substitute for results or superior to results prepared in accordance with GAAP. Please refer to the tables in our earnings release and the slides accompanying our third quarter earnings presentation for a reconciliation of these measures to their most directly comparable GAAP financial measure. Now I will turn it over to Kevin. Thank you, Sean, and thank you everyone for joining us today. Today we reported another strong quarter for Dexcom with third quarter organic revenue growth of 20% compared to the third quarter of 2021. Our teams executed incredibly well as we worked to advance our strategic initiatives while preparing for the largest product launch in our company's history. In the U.S., we saw continued momentum after our strong second quarter new customer starts with ongoing loyalty among endocrinologists and growing traction with primary care physicians. We're finding these physicians eager to engage with our teams as they learn more about the clinical benefits and superior outcomes that Dexcom CGM can provide their patients. While we expect these primary care relationships to be critical to our long-term customer aspirations, they also help us better serve the intensive insulin-using population in the U.S. today. The domestic core market still has a long runway of growth ahead, as we expect the vast majority of the population to adopt CGM to help them better manage their health. Outside the U.S., our team continued to deliver customer access wins this quarter. 
One example, in August, the NHS announced the inclusion of Dexcom 1 on prescription via the England, Wales, Scotland, and Northern Ireland drug tariff for everyone with type 1 diabetes and type 2 intensively managed diabetes. This announcement meaningfully expanded access to Dexcom within these markets, as our previous reimbursement was generally limited to a smaller population of higher risk individuals. Importantly, this is a clear example of how we can leverage our portfolio strategy to reach many more people with diabetes across the globe. Whether we use Dexcom 1 to enter new geographies or to improve access within existing markets, there is a large opportunity to expand our reach. In many cases, these are segments of the market that have lacked product choice for customers. So providing Dexcom's leading real-time CGM solution is being welcomed enthusiastically from customers and health systems alike. As many of you have seen, we were also very excited to initiate our full OUS launch of G7 following a successful limited launch. G7 is now available in the United Kingdom, Ireland, Germany, Austria, and Hong Kong. We have been looking forward to this day for a long time, as we view G7 as not only a major step forward for Dexcom, but for the entire diabetes technology market. This is a game-changing launch. As we often say, G7 takes everything about G6 and makes it better. It has a 60% smaller form factor, 30-minute warm-up time, 12-hour grace period to allow customers to choose a convenient time to change sensors, an improved app experience, and more. All of this while building upon the product performance and accuracy that has earned the trust of our customers and clinicians. These advancements were specifically designed to improve the lives of our customers, and that is being recognized by our earliest G7 users. The feedback from our launch has been incredibly positive, which adds to our confidence that this product will take Dexcom to the next level. We are moving quickly to make this life-changing technology available broadly around the world and we'll be rolling out G7 across a steady cadence of additional geographies over the next several months. In the U.S., we have responded to the FDA and our G7 regulatory pathway is tracking in line with expectations we shared last quarter. We completed the necessary software changes in response to the feedback we received from the agency and subsequently validated the data to ensure the software is operating as designed. These efforts position us well to receive G7 clearance before the end of the year. This is a very exciting time for us. We believe this is the product of the future for Dexcom, and we are working diligently to make that product accessible to a much broader population, not only the intensive insulin-using population, but moving into people with type 2 diabetes on basal insulin only, non-insulin-using type 2s, gestational, hospital, metabolic health, and beyond. Along those lines, there is a growing body of evidence demonstrating outcomes beyond the intensive insulin-using population including a recently published study in diabetes technology and therapies. This study assessed the benefits of Dexcom CGM for a population of predominantly non-insulin-using type 2 individuals. Similar to our mobile study, it demonstrated meaningful reductions in A1C levels and improvements in time and range across the study group. Notably, the largest improvements in time and range came from the cohort being treated with one or less medication per day. This suggests that a sizable opportunity exists to help individuals earlier in their diabetes journey, potentially preventing escalation of the disease. This has meaningful long-term health implications for those starting on CGM, and also holds promise to reduce the economic burden on our health system associated with progression of diabetes. CMS clearly recognized this potential in 2017 
when they became one of the first global payers to cover CGM for people with intensively managed type 2 diabetes, and they appear ready to lead yet again in customer care. In early October, CMS published a proposed local coverage determination that would again meaningfully expand CGM for the Medicare population. Once finalized, this proposal would expand Medicare coverage to include the basal-only population, as well as non-insulin-using individuals that have experienced hypoglycemia. This proposal is in direct response to the clinical outcomes demonstrated in our mobile trial, where Dexcom proved to meaningfully improve time and range for this population. Since publishing that data, we have been expecting a reimbursement decision and applaud CMS for taking the lead. Coverage for the basal-only population alone would allow us to help significantly more people in the U.S. as we size that population at approximately 3 million individuals. This would be the first major reimbursement expansion beyond the intensively managed space, and one that we expect to be the first of many. Historically, CMS has often led commercial payers on coverage decisions, and we anticipate the same dynamic to occur here. However, we're not stopping there. We will continue to advocate for the millions of additional individuals that could benefit from access to real-time CGM. There is a massive opportunity ahead for Dexcom. With that, I'll turn it over to Jeremy for a view of the third quarter financials. Jeremy? Thank you, Kevin. As a reminder, unless otherwise noted, the financial metrics presented today will be discussed on a non-GAAP basis. Reconciliations to GAAP can be found on today's earnings release as well as on our IR website. For the third quarter of 2022, we reported worldwide revenue of $770 million, compared to $650 million for the third quarter of 2021, representing growth of 20% on an organic basis. As a reminder, our definition of organic revenue excludes currency in addition to non-CGM revenue acquired in the trailing 12 months. U.S. revenue totaled $573 million for the third quarter, compared to $490 million in the third quarter of 2021 representing growth of 17%. Momentum continues to grow in our U.S. business. We saw initial signs of an inflection in late Q1 and have been encouraged to see those positive customer trends continue in the months that followed. This resulted in a reacceleration in revenue growth in the third quarter. The investments we have made in our sales force over the past year are starting to pay off. We instituted new sales force tools earlier this year to make calls more efficient, and today, our team is yielding productivity metrics in line with our high expectations. We have also taken steps recently to simplify access for people in the United States by creating multiple cash pay options. We are seeing growing demand coming from outside our current reimbursement landscape, including the Type 2 non-intensive space. So we established these programs to help serve these customers as we work to broaden access. International revenue grew 22%, totaling $196 million in the third quarter. International organic revenue growth was 28% for the third quarter. Our international business continues to deliver impressive results as access initiatives completed over the past year are helping us gain market share. For example, in Australia, we are seeing very positive response to the recently expanded reimbursement for G6. Within weeks, we saw an uptick in demand, and currently our new customers are trending around three times higher than prior to this expanded access. We have seen this dynamic play out again and again, where broader access can serve as an almost immediate catalyst to demand. As a result, we will continue to prioritize our efforts to make Dexcom CGM accessible to many more people across the globe. Our third quarter gross profit was $494.2 million, or 64.2% of revenue, compared to 68.7% of revenue in the third quarter of 2021. 
Similar to last quarter, the launch of G7 creates a difficult year-over-year comparison on gross margin, as G7 development costs are now included in COGS. This dynamic accounts for some of the expected set-down compared to 2021. Additionally, there was 70 basis point negative impact on gross margin from currency. Absent this, gross margin would have been approximately 65%. Operating expenses were $333 million for the third quarter of 2022, compared to $320 million in the third quarter of 2021. Our focus on cost management was on full display this quarter as we generated over 600 basis points of operating expense leverage, despite ongoing investment to support our growth. We drove leverage in every category of spend this quarter, while simultaneously offsetting inflationary pressures. Our focus will continue to be on generating leverage in non-variable expenses while reinvesting those savings into our global commercial infrastructure. Operating income was $160.8 million, or 20.9% of revenue in the third quarter of 2022, compared to $123.8 million, or 19% of revenue in the same quarter of 2021, as our significant operating expense leverage more than offset gross margin declines in the quarter. Adjusted EBITDA was $226.6 million, or 29.4% of revenue for the third quarter, compared to $173.5 million, or 26.7% of revenue for the third quarter of 2021. Net income for the third quarter was $111.9 million, or $0.28 cents per share. We remain in a great financial position, closing the quarter with approximately $2.4 billion worth of cash and cash equivalents. We reached a new high watermark in terms of free cash flow this quarter, generating over $180 million of free cash. This provides us the flexibility to support our ongoing growth opportunity, while also assessing any strategic uses of capital on an ongoing basis. Our largest use of capital continues to be the build-out of our Malaysia manufacturing plant. Construction continues to progress on schedule, and we expect this facility to be producing commercial product by mid-next year. This facility will provide us the necessary scale and manufacturing efficiency to support our long-term cost targets. During the third quarter, we also executed our previously announced accelerated share repurchase program, purchasing over $550 million of outstanding shares. This allowed us to reduce the dilution associated with our 2023 convertible notes while buying back our shares at what we viewed as an attractive price point. Turning to guidance, we are updating our full year 2022 revenue guidance to a range of 2.88 to 2.91 billion. For margins, we are updating our full year guidance to the following. We are reducing our gross profit margin guidance to approximately 64%, down from 65% previously and we are maintaining our previous operating margin and adjusted EBITDA margin guidance at 16% and 25%, respectively. This guidance factors in another sizable uptick in currency headwinds relative to expectations we shared a quarter ago. We now expect approximately 55 million of foreign currency headwinds for the full year, relative to our prior estimate of around 40 million. This currency impact is the primary reason we found it prudent to reduce our gross margin guidance for 2022. However, we reiterated our operating margin guidance as we expect to offset the additional foreign exchange pressure through ongoing operating expense leverage. We have been able to navigate through shifting economic environment well to date, but we are certainly not immune to macro pressure. Leading economic indicators continue to point to additional uncertainty in the coming quarters, so we are working proactively to offset these impacts where we can. While these dynamics could create incremental challenges to work through in the near term, 
we are as bullish as ever about our underlying business and the opportunity ahead for Dexcom. With that, I will pass it back to Kevin. Thanks, Jeremy. Our third quarter was characterized by sharp execution and delivering results in line with what we said we were going to do. We committed to launching G7 internationally in the third quarter, and now we have G7 in five different countries with more following closely behind. We said that our growth rate in the U.S. would reaccelerate as the underlying trends in the business remained strong, and we delivered on an acceleration in the growth rate. We committed to advancing our G7 regulatory process in the U.S. and our efforts this quarter leave us on track for a clearance before the end of the year. We said that the basal-only coverage would be a matter of when, not if. Now we have more clarity around when. We will continue to operate with this type of focus on execution going forward. Finally, as we move into Q&A, we have Jake Leach with us. We recently announced a promotion of Jake to the role of Chief Operating Officer, providing him with the end-to-end -end responsibility for product. With almost two decades of experience at Dexcom and serving most recently as our Chief Technology Officer, nobody knows G7 and our product roadmap better than Jake. I would now like to open up the call for Q&A. Sean? Thank you, Kevin. As a reminder, we ask our audience to limit themselves to only one question at this time and then re-enter the queue if necessary. Operator, please provide the Q&A instructions. Thank you, sir. We will now begin the question and answer session. If you have a question, please press zero one on your touchtone phone. If you wish to be removed from the queue, you may press zero two. If you're using your speaker phone, you may need to pick up on your handset first before pressing the numbers. Once again, to ask your question, please press zero one on your phone at this time. Okay, sir, we do have questions in the queue. The first question comes from Jeff Dodson with Baird. Your line is open. Please proceed. Thank you. Good afternoon, guys. Uh, Kevin, I thought I'd start with a question on your international business. You guys have been benefiting the last, you know, few quarters from recent access wins. You talked about those on, in the prepared remarks. One of your competitors this quarter was dealing with some company-specific issues. So it's kind of hard to get a good feel for what's going on, maybe underlying demand trends outside the U.S. So I guess the questions are, are you seeing anything tied to macro uncertainties in your international markets? And with a lot of your international markets paid for through nationalized healthcare systems, do you consider international to be more or less, I guess, macro sensitive compared to your U.S. business? Thanks. You know, uh, Jeff, I may ask Jeremy to help me on that. I'll take a, take a first pass. We have learned in our U.S. markets getting access and getting reimbursement through these government uh, agencies is absolutely critical and a key to driving growth. As we've had wins in the UK, we've had wins in Spain, we've continued to have wins in Germany as we've shifted price to create more access. That's what's driving our growth. We're getting access to, to more people who can use our technology and use, use our better product. For right now, we haven't seen any macro trends that would make us feel that this isn't going to continue. As we get more access, we will continue to grow and do well. Uh, Dexcom 1 is going to be a home run for us. Uh, G7 is doing very well out of the gate. Uh, we look very much forward to a great year internationally in 23. I don't know, Jeremy, if you want to add to that. No, Jeff, you know, outside the U.S., historically, there's been a cost-sensitive approach towards care, health care, and that's where Dexcom 1 has really played uh, a major role for us of winning some additional access outside the U.S. So we do believe that providing these opportunities around multiple systems to address the need um, both more acute and less acute. It provides us really a differentiation. And so we continue to expect to do well there. 
And we'll keep you posted if we start to see anything change in terms of macroeconomic demand starting to dampen um, individual access. But for now, what we see is, is a great opportunity um, and an opportunity given our product portfolio to do very, very well there. Thank you, sir. The next question in the queue comes from Robbie Marcus with J.P. Morgan. Great. Uh, thanks for taking the questions, and congrats on a really good quarter. Um, maybe I'll ask about the, um, the basal opportunity, and, and this is really exciting here. You know, I just want to try and set expectations for how we should think about updates to the model. You know, first off, when do you think this can really start to um, – you know, when, when should it start? Two, when should it start to impact the model and add new patients? And I realize it's about a third of patients for Medicare. Um, and then expectations, uh, if you have them for reimbursement, should this be at the normal Medicare rate, meaning higher than the pharmacy right now? And when should we start to think about commercial plans coming online? Thanks. You know what, I'll start with... Uh with, with the big picture things, we're starting commercial plans and talking about this now. This is such a big event for us and such a big win that we'd be, we'd be, you know, we'd be stupid not to. So we are thinking about this now. Our product offerings, our distribution strategy, and all those things, Robbie, as far as when it's exactly going to hit and go into your models, that's something we'll discuss later. We know the time frame for this can be anywhere from like four or five to nine months out as we work through this. But we're confident we're going to get through it. Uh, we're just thrilled with the ruling, and we are thrilled that that we could be part of this. Our our data from the mobile study uh, was a large component in in pushing this initiative across the finish line because we saw how well those people did. Now, Jeremy, if you want to get into more specific on the numbers side, go ahead. Sure, models. Absolutely. So, Robbie, the way we're thinking about it now is it's really it's likely a second half 2023 event, just given the time. And so expect that, but we'll give you more clarity as to how much the contribution is as we guide for 2023. In terms of commercial payers following, you know, we, we do expect to see that, um, you know, as, as you certainly think of Medicare Advantage plans. But even as you have folks um, really progressing throughout their journey, we know that this product ultimately reduces costs from the system, improves lives and outcomes. And so we do expect those to come along as well. In terms of reimbursement, the way that CMS uh, typically reimburses it is based on qualification, and this is an expansion of the category of qualification. And so thus far, it looks like it's reimbursed in line with the existing qualifications. And, and you know, at the end of the day, it, it's incumbent upon us, and we think we continue to show it, that the economic benefits of putting somebody on CGM far outweigh the costs. And so it, it's on us to continue to show that evidence, and we think we can continue to prove that as more and more evidence comes. So we'll, we'll get back to you a little bit later in terms of the expectations of the 2023 contribution. But that should give you a feel for what we expect over the coming year. Thank you, sir. The next question in the queue comes from Matthew Blackman with Stiefel. Your line is open. Please proceed. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for, for taking my question. I, I have another question on, uh, on Basil. Um, also, as we, we try to think about modeling, the annual value of these less invasive patients, what is a reasonable way to, to think about where frequency for a, for a basal patient? We've heard varying feedback from clinicians, and frankly, it's been tracking higher than we would have thought, maybe at 20-plus days per month. But I can't tell if there's any sort of early adopter skew in that. Just any thoughts there would be helpful. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'll maybe draw you back to the mobile study, which, you know, the mobile study was really targeted at folks wearing it full-time which was the basis for CMS coverage. And so I think what we would expect to see is as folks get onto therapy, 
we would expect a relatively similar utilization. Now, there might be dips in between it for here and there, a day here or there, a day here and there as product is coming in. Um, but for the most part, we expect full-time wear, and that's how we've seen folks get the most benefit. So I'd expect it from there. Clearly, this is a new market for us, but all the early work we've done around patient satisfaction, patient results, these folks have wanted to wear it. They've wanted to wear it full-time, and so we expect that to be the baseline going forward. Thank you, sir. The next question in the queue comes from Margaret Kaser with William Blair. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Thanks for taking the questions. Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, U.S. growth. Obviously, you saw a really nice acceleration from Q2 to, to where we are in Q3. And, uh, so can you provide uh, any context around uh, the growth in uh, new patient ads, how that's trended going into Q3, uh, and, and more specifically in Q4? And, and I know you'll, you'll love this, but going into 23, you know, all of this growth is coming in advance of G7 and Basel. So and why shouldn't we assume even more of an acceleration uh, to occur for several quarters from now? Thanks. Sure. Yeah, happy to talk about the patient trends. So what we saw, you know, kind of rewind back, Q2, a record for us. You know, Q3, early feedback is is it's at least equivalent of that of Q2, and we'll even get more data here soon. So Q3 was another very strong new patient ad quarter for us. And so when we talked last about an expecting a reacceleration, that was on Q2 and an expectation of a strong Q3. I think we had a very, very strong Q3, and quite frankly, we expect a strong Q4. That's where you see that reacceleration in the U.S., so very bullish on that particular opportunity, and you are right, that is with G6. And so we obviously are very excited about the ability to offer G7 to the U.S. population. As it pertains to momentum and moving into 23, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that as we give guidance in 2023. But I think the takeaway here is we are still very bullish on this business, very bullish on the opportunity, and ecstatic about the opportunity to offer G7. Thank you, sir. The next question in the queue comes from Matthew O'Brien with Piper Sandler. Your line is open, sir. Great. Thanks for taking that, that question. Um, maybe, Jeremy, just if you could put a little bit finer point on um, – Basil for next year. I know you said second half of next year, and you're expecting a lot of wear, but but you know it's going to be pretty early days. Um, with a lot of things to kind of work it work through. So is it is it fair to think of it as you know a fairly modest contributor next year? And then this might be a bit of a silly question, but you know you've got G7 coming out uh, next year, and then you're going to have all these new basal patients. Just talk about manufacturing for all of these um, all these products you're going to need over the next several years. Thank you. Sure, yeah, let me start with the uh, maybe the model expectation. We have Jake here, and I think it'll be good for him to talk through the manufacturing. So um, in, in terms of how to model it out, you know, Kevin alluded to it earlier. Generally, there's about a six- to nine-month period where, you know, look, the, there's, a, there's a proposal and, and things have to go through. And so, you know, as folks start to open up coverage, um, that's why we expect that coverage to really start in the back half. And, again, this is a recurring revenue business. So, there will be a contribution, we expect, in 2023. How material, we're going to size that up, and we'll make sure that we, as we size it up for you, we'll give you the context for how we're guiding to it in 2023 so you understand our assumptions. If things come earlier or things go faster or slower, we'll certainly give you that clarity so that you have it. But our expectation is there's a contribution 
Um, how material is going to take a little bit of time as that grows, but still a contribution and really momentum exiting 23 into 2024. But in terms of capacity, maybe let me turn it over to Jake to give you some context there. Yeah, thanks, thanks Jeremy. So um, from a capacity perspective, um, we've been uh, gearing up for this uh, G7 launch for quite a while. So we've got uh, G7 lines installed here in San Diego as well as in Mesa. And so we feel really good about our position to to meet the needs of our uh, full G7 U.S. launch as well as the international launches that will continue throughout the year. Um, also to remind you that we've got our Malaysia plant coming online mid-next year, so that should also help boost our capacity. Um, and so feel really good about the ability to both provide G6 and G7 products. Thank you. The next question in the queue comes from Joanne Winch with City. Your line is open. I'm sorry, I don't know if you heard any of that. I just said hello. And we didn't. Said so let's um, start over. <laughs> Good evening, and thank you for taking the question. Dexcom One um, launched in, I think you said, six geographies outside the United States. How is that ramping? How should we think about that contributing? Because I'm starting to put together in my mind, like your core base business, you layer on top of that G7 benefit, you layer on top of that Dexcom One, and then, of course, Basil. What's the layer for Dexcom One? I, I, I'm not going to get into numbers, and we'll get into models later, Joanne. I can tell you, again, I'll reiterate uh, our comments on the call. There are many geographies where CGM is accepted where we have been isolated to higher risk uh, patients, patients on pumps or severe hypoglycemia, and we were reimbursed more, but we were narrowly viewed. In many of these geographies now with Dexcom 1, with our lower cost offering, but with real-time CGM and the accuracy and other features we deliver, we're now able to go compete for those customers. That will be a very important level of business for us, particularly uh, in Europe going forward and other countries and other places where we need to launch it. That will be a layer. I mean, our core business, our core G-Series product is going to be our primary source of revenue for a while. But over time, you will see all these elements grow bigger and take a bigger piece of the pie. You know, Jeremy, you build the models. You might sure. have a little more. Yeah, so Joanne, I, I completely understand the question and how to model it. I think what I would say is in 2022, this is a business just getting started. Yeah. So it's not a material contributor in 2022. However, we understand the challenge, and so we will make sure that we're able to identify what the contribution looks like as we start to give forward-looking guidance over time. So just rest assured, as that business gets bigger, we'll start to give you line of sight into that. For now, what's most important is we've unlocked an incredible amount of TAM, and that's super important as we think about how many new patients we're certainly going to be bringing in. So more to come there. We'll certainly help you with models going forward. Um, but for now, just know Dexcom 1 is a relatively small contributor this year, and we'll talk about 2023 here in a few months. Thank you. The next question in the queue comes from Jason Bedford with Raymond James. Your line is open. Uh, good afternoon. Thanks. Uh, just a quick one. I may have missed this, but did you talk about volume growth in the quarter? And if not, can you? And, and maybe maybe comment on any geographic differences. Thanks. Sure. Yeah. So we were in the we were in the the unit volume in the mid to upper 30s globally. Um, in terms of the performance, the U.S. the U.S. was slightly below that, but still in the mid 30s, and OUS was slightly above that in the upper 30s. And so really just continued strong momentum in that patient um, cohort or that underlying patient volume. Thank you, sir. The next question in the queue comes from Larry Beagleson with Wells Fargo. 
Good evening. This is uh, Nathan Trey back on for Larry. In terms of uh, your, your comments around G7 U.S. launch timing by year-end, is there anything that still needs to be done? And then how soon after the approval do you expect a full launch? And how, how should we think about the ramp? Is there any reason why it should be different than the G6? Thanks. Yeah, thanks for the questions, Jacob. I'll take that one. So, um, yeah, we uh, we responded to the FDA uh, in Q3 uh, with the answers to their final questions. And so we feel really good about how that positions us for a, an approval in Q4, so before the end of the year. Uh, we're really planning our, our launch um, to occur in Q1, um, and so that'll be a full launch. Uh, and uh, the uh, you know our status with the FDA is we've gone back and forth. We're feeling really good about this being kind of the end end of the uh, review period, and so we're very confident in that uh, Q4 approval timing in a Q1 uh, U.S. launch. Thank you, sir. The next question in the queue comes from Matt Taylor with Jeffries. Your line is open. Hi, thanks very much for, for taking the question. Um, I actually wanted to uh, double-click on some of your commentary on, on Dexcom 1 and, and thinking about your portfolio strategy as you get G7 out there. I guess, can you talk a little bit more about how you're going to use G7, G6, and, and 1 together to kind of meet customers where they're at in different markets around the world? What are some of the different flavors or different ways you could you could use that portfolio? Yeah, this is Kevin. I'll take that at a high level. Certainly, uh, our G-Series product, our G7, is going to be our flagship product that we roll it out. And that will be, uh, you know, we're very comfortable with that being a home run. There will be some countries where G6 is so new, it's not going to be prudent to go rush G7 into those geographies. We can let that customer base grow while we expand others. So we look at G6 and G7 in a very similar light as far as their features, the connectivity, and all the things that they do. With Dexcom 1, currently on a G6 platform, we have areas where we need to grow and we need to get there fast. And that product will remain on the G6 platform. We're not ready to move it to G7 anyway. We're going to use our existing G7 capacity to sell G7s in the beginning and, and you know, strengthen ourselves in, in our current business and, and, and where we are doing very well now with our partners and everybody else. Ultimately, Dexcom 1 will shift to that platform and we'll roll out that way. So as you look at Dexcom 1, you know, we've said many times that product is for two major purposes. The first one is to go into new geographies where we can do an online e-commerce type business and launch it as we have in those first four countries. In countries where CGM is reimbursed, but again, we have this situation where there are two types of CGMs they will pay for, the, the that for the high-risk patient and connectivity, and with those features that we've always had in the G-Series. And then the other area, we are using Dexcom 1 as a vehicle to get into those markets and utilize our capacity uh, to go sell sensors and serve customers there and give them a better experience than they've ever had before. And, and that is the plan for right now. Thank you, sir. The next question in the queue comes from Marie Tiva with BTIG. Go ahead, ma'am. Thank you so much for um, taking the questions. Wanted to ask one here on your comments on cash pay in the U.S. Um, unless I'm mistaken, I, I believe that's a recent shift or a new shift for Dexcom strategy. Would love to hear a little bit more about how that's being rolled out and how patients and providers are hearing about that cash pay option. Thanks so much. Yeah, sure. Thanks for the question. This is Jeremy. 
Um, you know, it, it's it's a bit of a change. I, I'd say it's, I'd say it's an addition or an augment to an existing strategy. So, you know, we've always believed that access is incredibly important, and we we believe that over the long term, access is at the basis of adoption. However, there are some certain populations out there that have high interest in the product that continue to want to uh, use the product to manage their diabetes. And we felt that this was a way to allow them to do so while we work on that access. And so what we are doing is we're launching multiple different versions of cash pays. We'll have those being promoted here sh shortly to targeted populations. Um, and what the goal here is is, is if folks don't have coverage, um, while we work in the background to get coverage, Basil is a good opportunity, a good example, I should say. You know, they can get the product for a discounted price, and, and the price is less than 50% of, of what uh, the, the cost to them is 50% less than what it historically would have been. So real good opportunity, multiple different options, multiple different ways we're going to be rolling it out. You'll see some marketing materials around it soon, but I, would, I think this is a great thing for access. I think it's a great thing for folks who have been looking to get on a Dexcom that for whatever reason haven't been able to, to allow them to do so. Thank you, sir. The next question to queue comes from Kyle Rose with Kenaccord. Great. Thank you for taking the question. So, yeah, obviously the G7 launch, you know, you're, you're started in a, in a few countries now. <clears throat> you're going to move into the U.S. Uh, in the Q1 next year. Just how should we be thinking about uh, gross margins when we, when you turn on, you know, those those facilities, and then in particular the Malaysian facility coming online as well? Just how should we think about about the COGS line uh, over the course of the next you know, 18 months? Yeah, so the best way, and good question, the best way to think about it is, you know, in the first quarter in which we turn on lines, you generally have a dip in gross margin. And that's the, the initial setup, the yields. We'll give you guys a little bit more um, line of sight into cadence as we get into 2023 guidance. Um, but as you turn on those lines, the first sets, the yields are a little bit lower. You're absorbing in depreciation. Um, and then as those yields start to improve, you start to get a better gross margin um, run on those. So I think the expectation is, is is you'll have some some blips there in the periods in which we launch into certain countries, specifically U.S., and then as more and more folks transition off of G6 to G7 and those volumes increase, you're going to see um, those margins improve. Longer term, G7 we can make at a lower cost than G6, and so it's just this transitory. We'll help you out on the modeling as we get into 2023 guidance, but as you're trying to get your head around what the cadence looks like when we turn on lines, that's the expectation of when you'll have the dip and then a recovery after that. Thank you, sir. And the next question in the queue is Stephen Lichtman with Oppenheimer. Thank you. Uh, hi, guys. You know, as we think about some of these these new opportunities from uh, from the LTD, I'm wondering in, in the near term uh, how things are progressing on the intensive type two side. You know, with given the comments you made in terms of primary care doc uh, progress as well as the work you've done on coverage, um, you know, can you update us on where you guys you think the market is in terms of penetration intensive type twos and are the pieces in place for that, you know, just to uh, continue to expand meaningfully in the coming uh, couple of year, few years? Yeah, thanks for the question. Um, you know, we continue to do very, very well. So if you think about kind of where that type 2 intensive penetration is, it's, you know, it's surpassing 35%. Um, in terms of how we're doing, I, I think a couple maybe data points, which I think is helpful. Um, you know, first off, record new patients, Q2, Q3 is in line with that. Um, based on early feedback, could even be a little bit higher. And so you're seeing patients coming in, which is just an indication of more and more folks adopting 
where a, a good majority of those are coming from that type 2 intensive population. It's our fastest growing segment. I think you also think about it from a, from a context of who we call on. And, you know, our, our, when we, as we look at our sales team and we talk about productivity, you know, more than three-quarters of the, of the calls we make are now to primary care physicians. And that's because that's where we're looking to expand over time. So I think what we've done in expanding the sales force last year and really focusing on those sales to, tools, thinking about the type 2 intensive and then beyond, basal and beyond, I think you're really seeing that play out and you're seeing some very strong growth in that type 2 intensive segment. And it sets us up well for that basal segment. Thank you, sir. The next question in the queue comes from Matt Nixick with Barclays. Hi. Uh, great. Thanks so much for taking the question. Um, maybe just uh, a follow-up on, on some of the questions uh, about how, um, you know, the ramp-up of G7. This is a little bit of a modeling question, not not really at all, uh, you know, sort of a guidance question, but just in terms of, you know, how the portfolio comes together and, and works, um, maybe following up on, on Kyle's question on, you know, ramping up these new lines. Can you talk a little bit about channel, uh, you know, how the sort of middle of the P&L uh, might uh, respond or, or, or uh, flex as you kind of get into some of the some of the different opportunities you're talking about? Are, is there a channel synergy across all of these? Do you expect you have to kind of spend into some of these opportunities and then get leverage over time? Maybe uh, if you could talk a little bit about that, that would be, that'd be super helpful. Thank you. Yeah, sure. You know, so the lines, the way you think about the lines, and, and this is the way we set it up, is, you know, Dexcom 1, physical form factor, cost to manufacture. Not necessarily cost to support and how we service it, but really the physical product. Dexcom 1 is very similar to G6. Um, there are other features that G6 has, but hardware is, is very similar. And it's very similar in G7. G7 lines and eventually Dexcom 1 will migrate to a G7 line. And so, as you think about these products, then it becomes a question of, of price point and then how we ultimately service the patient there. So that's the way to think about it. Um, over time, um, as we go into certain markets, uh, depending on price point, it's got much less to do um, uh, with, with what I would say is the physical product itself. We grow into those markets over time through economies of scale. And so that's one of the reasons we believe with Dexcom 1 there's a real great opportunity here. The economies of scale for us are massive. And, and by going into those markets, we certainly can grow into that profitability profile. So as you think down the middle of the P&L, you know, certainly as you go into Dexcom 1, there could be a slight margin differentiation, but those economy scales help offset it. We also look at the service model, and we're able to manage the service model in a different way so that the ultimate operating margin contribution is the same. So it, 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 that's how we think about it. And so as you're modeling it through, that's how I would think about it. Yeah, I, I just add to that, uh, and, and I don't want this lost on the call. Take a look at our operating performance this quarter. Uh, record cash flows as a former CFO is something I love to hear. And so we have managed our business very tightly. As we look at these work streams and these new, new product lines, your question is very appropriate. And we do have work streams about our cost to serve our patients, our cost to develop our new products, our manufacturing costs, given all these new things we're doing. We are looking at the cost structure of the company every bit as much as we're looking at the, the product launches uh, so we can make sure that when we get to the end of this road with with these launches and with these products and new markets and new products, that we have operating margins that are acceptable to us as we increase our customer base dramatically. 
Thank you, sir. The next question in the queue comes from Joshua Jennings with Cowan. Hi, good evening. Thanks for taking the questions. I wanted to just uh, ask about the sequential acceleration in 3Q of revenue growth and, and either if you could quantify or just qualitatively describe you know, contributions from your new pump partner. Um, and just on that topic, if you could just remind us, you know, the requirements once G7 is approved to uh, to integrate G7 into the tandem and insulin pumps. Um, any steps that you can highlight uh, and, and what your expectations are on that front? And, and can, it, can anything be done in front of G7 approval with your partners? Thanks for taking the questions. Sure, I'll start with the, the contribution. And let me turn it over to Jake, um, who, you know, is our maestro on, on product development and understanding products. You know, in terms of in terms of contribution, look, we're, we're very excited about both, both Tandem and Insulate's products. And, you know, as they launch more and more products that we are obviously integrated with, we, we expect it to contribute. Now, quantifying that and, and, and having those contributions, it, it's a little bit difficult to do given some product, some folks are already on Dexcom CGM who bring in, you know, a pump and, and some folks pull over. So as, as time moves on, we'll be able to really tease that apart. But I think what we would say is we're still bullish on the opportunity um, of, of folks ultimately, you know, using our product with these incredible pump partners. I'll leave it at that just because it gets hard to contribute. Again, we'll be able to retrospectively give feedback as time moves on. But let me give it to Jake in terms of the connectivity and the timelines on G7. Yeah, thanks, Jeremy. So on the G7 integration with uh, with our pump partners, um, basically the steps are to um, – make a few updates on, on the pump side to take advantage of the new features that are within G7, such as the, the fast warm-up as well as the grace period. Um, and so uh, those groups are already, they have been already working on that for quite a while. Um, and so we do um, see great progress on those integrations. Um, they're going through, um, you know, kind of final steps of development and validation. So a lot of that work can be, to your point, done ahead of time. And so, you know, in, when it comes to a specific timing of, of approvals and launches, we'll leave that um, to our uh, pump partners, but um, the work's progressing very rapidly and we do expect them to uh, to be integrated um, soon. Um, one thing I'll note is that on our other side, on the digital health partners, um, for example, in Europe where we have G7 out, um, those that are connected up to our real-time API already have G7 integration. So, for example, SugarMate uh, is, is a group that's already consuming G7 data within their app um, at the beginning of the launch. So, very excited about the opportunity to bring more of the ecosystem with G7. Thank you, sir. We have no further questions at this time, so I will turn the call over to Mr. Sayer for uh, closing remarks. You know, thanks a lot, everybody. This was a great quarter for us with growth, with excitement related to our product launches, expanding global access, and performance on the bottom line as well. In a time when the world is in a lot of chaos, we've done what we said we were going to do yet again. Our teams are just executing very well as we press towards the end of the year and look to build momentum uh, next year. I want to thank our team members for their hard work as we strive towards these goals. Uh, it is all hands on deck to get G7 done, to get uh, Dexcom 1 out in these markets and do all the things that we are trying to do. But I want to close with a special note. Uh, I want to thank all the members of the diabetes community that have been working together to help improve access to CGM technology. You know, the recent C CMS proposal represents a big win for people with diabetes. And we're only one member of a large group advocating for this result. This was a collective effort for, from the diabetes community on behalf of the diabetes community. 
We want to acknowledge all the hard work that led to this proposal, both inside and outside of Dexcom, and share our excitement to help so many more people with diabetes in the U.S. live healthier lives. And it's only the beginning. Thanks a lot, everybody. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This will conclude today's teleconference. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Speakers, please stand by for your debrief.